following is a message at Living Savior Church in Asheville and Hendersonville, North Carolina. To learn more, go to lsavior.org. You're sorting through your mail after work like you do every day. Bill, advertisement, bill. When something catches your eye, sticking out amongst all the bills is a large white envelope. On the back side, there's one of those fancy wax seals. You quickly open the envelope, and inside, you find an invitation. Written on that invitation, it says, Your presence is requested for a dinner at the Biltmore, along with, and a long guest list follows. Names of celebrities, philanthropists, world leaders, you name it, they're going to be at this dinner. What an honor would it be to receive an invitation like this? How excited would you be? Now, as you prepare to go to this dinner at the Biltmore, can you approach it on your own terms? Do you think that you can decide when and how to go to this dinner? If the invitation says, show up on April 22nd, that's the day of the dinner, but you show up on April 23rd, you're going to be out of luck. The dress code says this is a black tie affair. Dress your best. So if you wear athletic shorts and a t-shirt, I'm guessing they're probably not going to let you in the door either. But if you follow what the invitation says, if you do what you're supposed to do here, you have an agreement then. You do your part, follow the words of the the, uh, invitation, And the host will let you in to this party with all of these amazing guests, all of these heroes of yours. Today in Holy Scripture, you and I see an invitation, an agreement as God makes an agreement with his people, the Israelites, and an invitation to a meal to celebrate this agreement too. But what happens when you and I aren't able to keep up our end of the deal? Is our presence still requested? If you want to make an agreement with someone, you usually talk through the details. Maybe you shake hands to make things official. Or if it's an even bigger deal, you get paper and pen, both parties sign, maybe there's even a lawyer there to witness the signature. God wanted to make an agreement with his people, an agreement called a covenant. Here are the terms. I will be your God, and you will be my people. If you do everything that I have commanded you in these laws and decrees, then I will be with you, and I will bless you. As we see this ceremony in the book of Exodus, Moses is sort of serving like the lawyer. This is a signing agreement, the signing of this new covenant between God and the Israelites. First, the Israelites speak their end of the deal. They say, everything the Lord has commanded, we will do it. Then the signing begins. But instead of signing with a pen and paper, this agreement is signed in blood. Twelve stone pillars are set up to represent all the people of Israel, and an altar is set up to represent God's presence among the people. And Moses scatters blood on both parties, on the people and on the altar. And he speaks the words of the agreement. 
This is the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. All the people, all of the words. This is an all-in kind of deal. It's not just a promise for the people there, but also a promise that their kids and their grandkids will follow all of these laws and decrees and commands too. What exactly were the people agreeing to follow? Well, the Ten Commandments, all of those commandments that God had also given them about how to worship and how to live. But there was a problem with this agreement, a problem even before the agreements, the agreement started. The people, the Israelites, couldn't keep up their end of the deal at all. And they didn't have an excuse. It wasn't as if they didn't hear the terms and conditions or there was some small print that they missed. Moses had told them all of God's commands. He'd even written them down. The problem was that the people, even before they signed, were incapable of following through on the promise that they made. They couldn't do all of the Lord's commands. Their promise, it was empty from the beginning. The covenant, the agreement was broken because the people were broken. How would you and I hold up in a similar agreement? If God were to approach us with this same type of agreement, would we fare in a way similar to the Israelites? Wouldn't our outcome look a lot like that too? What exactly would we be agreeing to in that situation? To follow all of those laws, decrees, and commands also? To love God first at all points? To never put anything above him? Could any of us actually agree to do that perfectly at every point? To love our neighbor without any hint of selfishness at all? Could we, make, could we make that promise to God too? The deal was never a pick and choose of some of the commandments, some of the time. It was always an all or nothing deal. Everything is followed or the deal is off. If you and I were under that same agreement, we would fall short too. You show up at that party at the Biltmore with your invitation in hand. You wore a, a black tie. You followed the dress code to a T. But you showed up three hours after the party ended. Are they still going to let you in the door? Maybe you followed part of the agreement, but even though you did that, did you follow all of the details? No. The deal is off. And in that situation, is the problem with the invitation? Or is the problem with the host? Of course not. The problem is in you. That you didn't follow those commands. That you didn't follow those instructions on the invitation. The same is true for those Israelites. It's true for you and me. The problem was never with God. The problem was never with his law or even his willingness to approach the Israelites with this type of agreement that they'd follow all of his commands. No, the problem has always been in us, in our failure to follow all of his laws and decrees. We can't do it. We can't do it because we are broken. This is the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you 
in agreement with all of these words. God knew that that first covenant that he made with the Israelites would be broken. And he knew that you and I could never stand under an agreement like that either. He knows that we are not just broken people, but lost too. So he comes to us in a new way. He brings us to himself through his son. Through Jesus, God brings us to himself in forgiveness. And in Jesus, don't you see all the terms of that old covenant fulfilled for you? Every law followed perfectly at every point. That old covenant, that old agreement fulfilled for you. And instead of hitting a reset button on that old agreement and giving you another try at something that you would always fall short at, God comes to you with a new agreement. But it's not an agreement based on your promise at all. It isn't based on your ability to do what God commands. Instead, it's rooted and anchored only in God's mercy and love. God comes to you with a new deal, a covenant, words that sound a lot like Moses' words on that day, words spoken by Jesus. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. A new deal, a new covenant signed again in blood. A covenant, an agreement that isn't two-sided at all, only one-sided, God and his promises to you. His promise to you that the blood of Jesus is poured out for you and you and you. God's promise to you that this blood of Jesus will cleanse you from all of your sins, all of those times when you've fallen short of his laws and commands. God's promise for you that he brings you to himself through the forgiveness that you receive in Jesus' blood. How exciting would it be to respond to that invitation, to that party at the Biltmore? It's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. It's not every day you get to dine with superstars and celebrities. How much more exciting was it for Moses and those Israelite leaders to get that invitation from God? to enjoy a meal in God's presence, to celebrate that new covenant that God had made with the Israelites. It was probably a bit scary for them to walk up the side of the mountain. Maybe they were shaking in their boots to see God there, the God of Israel at the top of the mountain. But there, the Israelite leaders ate with God. They enjoyed the presence of God. But even there, only a few of the Israelites got to go up. Not all the people got to enjoy this meal. And those Israelite leaders, I'm sure they wanted to stay there in God's presence, but they had to come down the mountain eventually. Only Moses got to stay longer. And even there in God's presence, on top of that mountain, there was still some separation between God and the people as they worshiped God at a distance. You and I, have an invitation to a meal also. A meal that celebrates the covenant established in Christ's blood. This new covenant of forgiveness where God comes to us with gifts of mercy and love. Not a meal just for the social elites or even the elders of a community. No, a meal for sinners like you and me. A meal where we receive forgiveness. Forgiveness. 
Not a meal on top of a mountain filled with fear in the presence of God, but a meal where God comes to you with nothing but comfort and love. Not a meal where you'll eventually have to come down the side of a mountain, but instead a meal where God comes down to you, even in the deepest and darkest valleys of your life. Not a meal where there's still some separation between you and God, but a meal where God is as close to you as the bread and wine in your very hands. No distance between you and your God at all. There is no greater invitation, no greater meal than to receive Christ's body and blood in the Lord's Supper. There, we eat and drink in the presence of our God. There's one last invitation I want you to think of today. An invitation to that first night where this supper was celebrated. This very night when Jesus washed the disciples' feet, when they ate around that table, what would you see there? Jesus would probably wash your feet too. You'd get to see Peter talking to Jesus, there back and forth, him asking Jesus to wash his head and his hands too. You'd hear dinner conversation around the table that you'd normally only get to read about. But aren't you already there? Doesn't God bring you to that very supper every time bread and wine are placed in your hands? When the body and blood of Jesus are given to you, you take a part of that supper. You take part in that supper too. A meal that transcends time and eternity. A meal where you get to dine with your Lord and Savior Jesus. More than that, you receive him. You want an invitation? You already have one. Jesus gives it to you. It sounds like this. Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Take and drink. This is my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of all of your sins. It's already yours. Amen. Amen.